romance was the first thing that appealed to me because I thought there's not enough stories like my story with my husband. I'm in an interracial relationship in romance that depict the the joy of falling in love and not the struggle of trying to find common ground because you're from two different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. It was really important to me that the struggle between the two characters wasn't about race, but about their ambitions and how they dealt with those obstacles that were in their way. Welcome to School for Writers, where we help you ditch that starving, tortured artist cliche and thrive. No more struggling over whether your story is good enough or wondering if your voice deserves to be heard. It's time to step into the power of telling your story to the world. I'm your host, Lauren Marie Fleming, and I am a book-obsessed, queer, fat, witchy, divinely loud woman. And I know what it's like to have society tell you to sit down and shut up. But I'm here to tell you that you've been silenced for far too long. School for Writers was created to help you push through doubt and fear so you can stop procrastinating and start writing. Because the world needs your story now more than ever. Welcome to School for Writers. Let's get to it. At the end of this episode, you're going to hear Tenkin Lan and I talk about our mailing lists. And Tenkin is going to share some amazing, exciting things that she sends out to people every week. Are you someone with the mailing list? Do you have people that are super excited to get an email from you all the time? Well, if you are trying to build yourself a writing career, if you want to be a successful writer, the number one thing you're going to need is a thriving mailing list. I know plenty of people who've built giant social media followings and still not been able to sell their books, but I know personally that even a small mailing list can be mighty. They make you feel like you have a personal connection with the person emailing you. To help you create your mailing list or to revive an existing mailing list that you have that might've gone stale, I've created a whole mailing list 101 guide for you. You can grab that at schoolforwriters.com slash mailing lists. Mailing lists are a great way for you as a writer to shine. They're the number one way writers can publicize their writing, monetize their content, and build a strong and loyal fan base. So grab your mailing list guide at schoolforwriters.com slash mailing list. Once again, that's schoolforwriters.com slash mailing list and that link, it's in your show notes. Welcome back to the School for Writers podcast. This week, we are talking about some really fun things that I absolutely love to talk about. And that is diversity in writing, sex toys, and the importance of own voices. Y'all, I'm here for this conversation. It's so good. I am meeting today with Ten Kim Lam. Ten Kim Lam writes stories about Vietnamese characters who smash stereotypes and find their happy endings. A recovering type Asian, she guzzles Café Surada, makes art, and bakes her feelings to stay sane. I'm here with you on that one. Tin Kim is also the founder of Body Bookworms, a subscription box that pairs sexy romance with erotic toys. Talk about a great combination, right? She's been featured on NPR, BBC America, and NBC. This episode is so great, and I have pages and pages of notes. There are so many really wonderful, tangible takeaways on how to, one, put together a romance story. If you want to write romance, she gives you a really great breakdown of what you need to do. 
She talks about the importance of own voices and telling our stories to the world, even in fiction where it might not be our direct story, but getting to talk about our own stories. Her book has an interracial couple like she is in. We talk about the importance of both buying books from people talking about their own life experiences and writing them for yourself. She also shares the long journey that it took for her to go from professional writer for years to debut author. This episode is full of so many great pieces of advice and tidbits, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the School for Writers podcast. I'm so excited today because we're going to talk about all things sexy folks pleasure, not just the pleasure of reading, but the pleasure of writing and the pleasure of romance. I am really excited to introduce you to Ten Kim. Ten Kim, thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what you do in this world? Oh, I'm super excited to be here. And yeah, I am a debut author. My first book just came out uh, back in May. It's called Happy Ending, but I've been writing for a long time. And I also run a business called Body Bookworms, and it's all about romance books and adult toys. Uh, Y'all can see why I'm super excited about this conversation. For those who may only be joining me now and not have followed me through for almost a decade, I wrote a sex blog. I did my law school thesis on pornography. I wrote about body image and how romance can help you feel lovable. So when I met Ten Kim in a group we're in, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going to have the greatest time talking together. So super, super excited to have you on. I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody as our first question here on the podcast, and that is why writing? Oh my gosh. I never thought of that I could be a writer as a career. I enjoyed writing when I was younger in school, but I thought, you know, I'm the first generation of immigrant parents. And I thought like, I'm supposed to do something that's uh, stable. I didn't consider writing a stable career and that could financially take care of me and, and probably take care of my parents when they were older. So it was never even on my radar. Uh, but eventually I realized like I had, a, I had stories to tell, had my experiences that I wanted to share. And there was so much of me that I didn't see represented in what I was reading, whether fiction, nonfiction. I needed to share those stories because I knew that other people would find them helpful and to know that they were not alone in these experiences. Mm, I love that. That's so great because I think so much of what you do, not just as a writer, but as a human is making people feel less alone. We talked a lot about how you're very into own voices. And so I love that. Why don't you tell us, let's just like, tell me a little bit about this book that just came out. I'm super excited about it. I didn't realize it was already out. So I'm going to buy it today. I have been waiting for this book forever to come out and I'm super excited about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. I brought a copy to... Yay! <laughs> I love that cover too. It's a beautiful cover. Uh, happy Endings has a... Uh, the cover has a drawn um, graphic of a Black man and Asian woman embracing and looking lovingly into each other's eyes. And when my publisher, Avon, asked me, you know, like, what, what did you want to see on a cover? And I said, I really wanted to see the couple on the cover because I thought that just that imagery, the rep- representation meant so much. And a lot of readers reach out to me and said, I I don't you know, don't often see a Black man and Asian woman on a cover. And it was such a big deal for them to see that representation and to know that uh, maybe their current, you know, partner pairing was represented on Happy Endings. But what the book is about, it is a second chance romance between Trixie Nguyen. She is a sex toy sales consultant. 
and she runs into her ex uh, at a pop-up party in a restaurant. And he actually happens to co-own the restaurant with um, a friend of Trixie's, uh, who's this uh, Andre's sister. And um, they haven't talked to each other in two years because he just, he kind of left her in a bad way with a dear, a dear Jane note. And she runs into him in DC in his open restaurant and um, sparks fly, but she's really angry at him. And it's all about how they uh, come to terms with what happened in the past. She's changed a lot. You know, she um, had deals with a lot about the weight of the responsibility of being the daughter of immigrants and then following her passion versus what her family expectations are. And then on the flip side, he's dealing with the same thing. So his mom passed away and left in this restaurant and it's in DC, the neighborhood's being gentrified. Business has been slow. You know, he's worried he's gonna lose the restaurant. So he's dealing with family expectations and what he's putting on himself too. So they're both dealing with these two similar things in very different ways. Um, he's kind of a hard-headed guy and she just, she's ready to try new things, right? She's um, kind of pushed aside um, what her parents wanted from her and exploring this new identity as an independent woman and trying to do her own thing and then also help other women at the same time. And of course, it's very sexy and there's several scenes where they make use of various sex toys and lubes and edible things. I'm so excited about that because I think that you know, part of this is I'm queer. And so you don't see a lot of queerness in, in romance, but you don't see sex toys in romance. Like I don't see sex toys in romance. I mean, sometimes you do, but you don't have the, like, I remember maybe a couple times with there's like the lube, they don't even talk about the condoms. Half the time I'm like, what is happening? Like, Give us the awkward, make us feel less awkward in our sex. So I love that you included sex toys in it. I'd love to go back a little bit and ask you, similar on the line of why writing, why romance? I have always loved reading romance. I started reading it way too young, which I think a lot of people do. I love meeting people who find romance when they're older and more aware of themselves. But I just found that because I ran out of things to read at, on my bookmobile. So I grew up in a really small town in the South. And we had a bookmobile that stopped by in front of my house every week. And I just got like read everything I could get my hands on. And I ran out of all the books, <laughs> except for the paperbacks in the back with the you know couples embracing. And I started reading them. I just fell in love with the stories of these women who were able to articulate what they wanted from a partner and to say, hey, this is what I need. This is why I want that agency. And I think, you know, the where I was at that time, like I didn't feel like I had agency in my life. You know, you're an angsty teenager trying to do big things in a small town. Those romances kind of gave me that. And that's, you know, when I started to come up with stories, I thought maybe I could write a fiction because I was writing, I was doing freelance writing. I was writing a parenting blog. I did a lot of essays and things. I think, you know, I'm tired of writing about myself. I don't want to write about people I don't know. And romance was the first thing that appealed to me because I thought there's not enough stories like my story with my husband. I'm in an interracial relationship in romance that depict the the joy of falling in love and not the struggle of trying to find common ground because you're from two different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. It was really important to me that the struggle between the two characters wasn't about race, but about their ambitions and how they dealt with those obstacles that were in their way. That's so powerful because I think way too often 
the only thing people read about marginalized communities or traditionally silenced communities is their struggle, is their pain, is about that thing that makes them, quote, different from what we think of as like the, the ideal straight white man, you know, especially in America. And I love romance personally, because I think that joy is so important for us to read. And I love that you wanted to make their struggle not about their race, but about falling in love, about the like exes turned lovers trope versus only solely being about their their race. I love that. And I wanted to add that, that I think that those stories are valid because they still happen, but I think there is an imbalance of the number of stories out there that represent the joy of people falling in love, people from marginalized communities falling in love versus stories that talk about the the trauma and the struggle. Yeah, I think that's, thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a really great point. Yes, it's so important to read these denser, more dramatic texts as well. But so many people I know are like, I never read romance, but I only read really important stuff. I'm like, love and joy is also really important. And it's important to like make space for romance in life. So I love that you have that. I want to know what was the process like of getting this book out into the world? So you said you've been a writer for years and you've written a bunch of different stuff. How did it, how was that transition? Take us through what it actually took because so many of our listeners are just like beginning writers longing to get their book out in the world, longing to write their book. And maybe they're professional writers, but they just haven't gotten a book out yet. So what was that like for you? What was that process like for you? What was slow, which for me, who is a go-getter, was very hard for me to accept that this was such a slow process. Um, So everyone just keep writing and and don't give up. I started writing this book, I guess, two, three or four years ago. I feel like 2020 has messed up my sense of time here. Right. Like what year is it? Who did, what day is it? Where am I? Pretend part of 2020 didn't happen. And I thought that I could write romance because I'd read so many, but romance is such a difficult genre to write. And I think a lot of people who don't read it, or maybe some who do, don't realize it. They're like, oh, how hard could a love story be? Well, you have to have an emotionally satisfying ending. They got to have their happy ever after, H-E-A, or happy, happy for now, H-F-N. And how do you get there? And basically what I learned was that writing a romance is actually writing three different stories. So there's the main story, the uh, external story of how do these this couple gets together, right? And then each of the characters have their own journey, their own internal journey, because they can't allow someone to be in their lives and love them unconditionally if they cannot love themselves unconditionally, right? So they have their thing that they have to go through before they can say, hey, I am in love with this other person and I'm ready to make a life together for however long that is. And to me, that was the hard part. Like, how do I make them all fit and then make them an emotional journey for the reader, for the reader to say, hey, I want this, these two, not damaged, but complicated characters to fall in love. Like, I want to, you know, how do I get my reader to root for them and then cheer when they get together at the end? That is such a great tip. Like you just broke it down so well for us. Okay. There's actually three stories happening in a romance. There's person one's journey, 
person two's journey and their journey together. That's so, I haven't ever had anyone break it down like that so clearly, but that's so true. That is what happens in a successful romance. And I consider a successful romance one that like, doesn't make me want to put it down, makes me excited and invested in the characters. Yeah. That's a brilliant way to put it. So thank you for sharing that tip. Yeah. And that's only if you're writing uh, a couple, right? If you're writing polyamorous romance, there's a one or you know, additional one or more people in the mix. And I do not have the experience to write that many different characters for romance yet. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Cause one of the people I have a program called write your friggin' book already. And one of the people in my 2020 group wrote a polyamorous erotica uh, romance book. And it was, it was definitely an experience for me as a coach to be like, I mean, I'm in that poly community, so I understand it, but it was like, okay, how do you how do you bring in all the different partners in a story that's about that, like, by definition has to end with one couple together in some way? So it's a it's a fun. What I love about romance is you talked about the trope in the beginning, right? This is a traditional your book has a traditional romance trope. It's the exes becoming lovers again trope. I love that about romance because it allows you structure on which to build around it. So what's your take on that? How do you feel about the structure of romance? Does it help you or hinder you as a writer? I look at it as marketability as well, because if you can sell your book, if you can explain your book with um, a trope or two or three, then readers can connect with that trope because they know what they like. Uh, romance is such a big genre. There's so many subgenres under it, right? So my book is contemporary romance, but there's historical, paranormal, um, romantic suspense. So the, you have to know what your readers will like for that subgenre. And, you know, and I think about those tropes first. And then I guess, well, sometimes I think about the tropes first. And sometimes I think about the characters. So this happening is I really thought about the characters first. Um, because it was really important to me to represent a Vietnamese American character who's doing something that was unexpected, right, than what we see in the, the media now. I mean, how many people do you know sell sex toys? And then if you think about like how many you know, Asian women do you know sell sex toys? It's not a something you think of when you think of Asian women. And for me, like that was the hook that I wanted to use to, to sell this book, right? But I think tropes are really important because it gives you a basis. And people think tropes like, oh, well, it's so predictable. It's so, you know, James Patterson's books are all predictable and people love them and read them. My husband loves them. There's nothing wrong with predictable, but I think it's taking the predictable and adding your own spin and giving a little um, something new to it that makes it exciting for readers and exciting for you to write because you want to be excited about this book while you're writing it, especially for me because I'm a slow writer. Yes, so much good stuff in there. So I love that you said taking the predictable and adding your own spin. That's so great. I love that you talked that tropes are a subgenre. I hadn't even thought of them as subgenres. I thought of them as cliches because I'd been sold them as cliches and told they were cliches. So I love that idea of it's a subgenre and it allows marketability. But I really loved what you brought up about James Patterson, because I think we knock romance because it's like seen as like women's work, right? It's seen as mm -hmm. it's the way that we knock nurses over doctors or we knock teachers. We knock women and things that women like and women's pleasure, especially. And James Patterson, The Vinci Code, Dan Brown, like all these big, a Michener, like all these big name writers, Stephen King even, they're so predictable. They're working within similar predictable tropes, but we praise them and make fun of romance writers and, that are similarly. So I love that you brought that up. 
And I would love to talk with you a little bit more about own voices, like what it means to own your voice and to write a voice like your own. I'm familiar with the term own voices, but do you want to explain what hashtag own voices is for people listening? Own voices was created. um, I can't remember her last name, but Corinne, and she created this as a way for writers to denote that this story was written by someone who has lived experience of one of the main characters in the book, right? Um, So they're drawing from their own experience because I think it's getting better, but they're still in traditional publishing. There's so many white authors who are writing voices outside of their experience and being celebrated and being given the big book deals for it, while the writers from those communities who are writing these authentic stories that are that they're drawing their experience from putting their heart into it they're not getting the book deals or they're not getting the advances that their white counterparts are getting for writing stories about their people and I think that we have evolved and publishers are paying more attention I'm really grateful that my publisher Avon is prioritizing own voices I actually submitted this book as a part of an open call that they put out for own voices romance I want to first ask you about that open call, though, because we talked a little bit about how it took a while. How does that work with an open call? Did you have to find an agent? Did you just submit? Like, tell us about the Avon open call. The romance industry is different, I think, than from other subgenres. A lot of publishers will take unagented manuscripts. So if you just go to the publisher, um, if you go to RWA, Romance Writers of America's website, they do have a list of publishers. And you can kind of go into your research there. Um, and some of them do take unagented manuscripts and there's a form and they tell you like what they're looking for, things like that. So you can submit there. So this worked twofold for me was that I read about the open call, but I was also attending the RWA conference, uh, national conference in New York. And Avon was offering pitching sessions and that's included in your conference fee. So I signed up and I researched the editors and I said, oh, well, this person has published books by authors I admire the same steam level right and she has published uh, Alyssa Cole, Alicia Rye so black and Asian uh, South Asian author and I thought well I think my book is a good fit for what she is buying and I met with her and I pitched her I think we had like 10 minutes you know like there were like 10 minute slots I pitched her and her face was like poker face <laughs> I had no idea and she said oh that sounds really interesting and she slides over a postcard about the open call and says, um, I'd love for you to submit it through this. And like, I didn't have her email or nothing. And people are coming out of the pitch session. like, oh my gosh, she loved it. She gave me her business card. I'm thinking, I got this generic postcard. <laughs> um, like maybe she was just being nice. Thankfully she was not. Um, so I actually just submitted through their open call portal and made a note that I had spoken to this specific editor. And you know, and they said 12 weeks to hear back. That was like early December. And I, the date came and it went, and I guess, and I thought, you know, I guess they didn't want it. <laughs> so let me move on. I didn't have an agent at the time. And for this call, they were looking for unagented writers. And I thought I've made a plan like January 1st. I'm like, here's my plan for this year. I think it was 2019. Wait, no, 2020. And I said, uh, I'm going to start querying agents. I'll make my shortness. Like I had a little like, goal sheet set out. And lo and behold, uh, a couple weeks later, I get an email. Hey, do you have time for a phone call? And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the call. (laughs) 
I'm so excited for you. Like you're, for those who are listening, we have this on YouTube as well, but for those who are watching, you can see your face just turn bright red with excitement over that moment. So I love seeing that joy in your face. And so from there to the book being out in the world, how long did that take? I signed the contract in February of 2020 and it came out in May of 2021. So a little over a year. Um, Big publishers like Avon, I think they plan out their schedule pretty far in advance. So that was probably the earliest that they could slot me in. Yeah. For those listening, I want you to hear how long that took and how patience is a virtue in this business because it can really feel like you're getting nowhere. And so I love that you didn't give up and that you're like, okay, here's my plan to like go to the next level because they might not have called back, but I love that they did. But I love that you also had that plan in place. That's great. I wanted to say that there's a lot of a lot of hurry up and wait in traditional publishing. And I think that is the hardest part. Like you set a deadline for yourself or you get a deadline and you're just working so hard to meet this deadline and you turn it in and then it's stretches of time where you don't hear anything because the other person is working on it. And I think that making sure that you know what to do with that downtime because your body has in, in like this adrenaline rush where you're trying to get all this done. But you know, have downtime, like maybe take this quiet time to read, to watch, binge more TV, like whatever it is to just rest your creative brain or use your creative brain in a different, different manner. Okay. Everybody listen to that, like go rewind and listen to that again, because that was brilliant advice. I am always on here telling them that they need to take time off that you actually like in my write your friggin' book already program. And in my school for writers Academy, I have built in breaks and people are like, I don't want a break. I want to just go, go, go. I'm like, no, you need the breaks. And by the end of the time with me, they're like, oh, those breaks were good. But it's so hard convincing someone that actually reading and resting and watching TV is a part of the creative process. So I love that you just brought that up. I would like to circle us back to to the own voices because I think that we've had so many great things and I want to make sure that we touch on that again. What does it mean to you personally? to write about your own life and about your own experiences? How does that resonate with you as a writer and to know that that writing is out in the world? Well, first of all, Trixie is not me. I'm just gonna put that out there. (laughs) There are bits of her that I've taken from my experience, but I think that I wanna share like who I am, right? Um, Because when you read books that are outside of your personal experience, you can learn about this person and their culture and it creates empathy and compassion for others and romance especially because you're you're falling in love with the characters while they're falling in love with each other right here's my chance to talk about some really serious themes there's gentrification there's dealing with female entrepreneurship there's dealing with family obligations the daughter of immigrants these are like really serious issues you don't think of when you, you're looking at a rom-com, but I think that romance is such a great vehicle for me to show all those things. And then for people to realize that being Asian, Asia is not a monolith, right? Especially there's been so much talk in, about Asian hate crimes and you know it's been happening for a long time. And I'm glad that it's come to the surface for a lot of more people now than just our Asian community. And for you to see that we're all different, even like a Vietnamese person who lives in California or New York is different from 
me who grew up in Louisiana. And in my book, there's two Vietnamese characters. One of her best friends grew up in DC and then Trixie grew up in the South. They have very different experiences. And I want people to know that, you know, you think stereotypes because the media feeds us those things. But I want when people read my book to see that, hey, these are people, like not a stereotype, not a um, Lotus Blossom or Dragon Lady or the, the typical stereotypes for Asian women. They're not sexual objects for people to look at and fantasize about. They're real people with real dreams, real ambitions, and they just want what we want. They want to be happy. That is so beautiful. Real people with real dreams that want what we want to be happy. Love that. And I love that you're like, it's not me because I feel you on that. So many, so many characters are parts of us, but they're not us. Like you're like, that's not me. That's not me. So I love that you, that you clarified that. So let's talk sex toys, right? Like let's just transition right into sex toys. Tell me about body bookworms. Body bookworms, I started almost six years ago, will be six years in uh, August. And I have always loved romance and I've always loved sex toys. In fact, like Trixie, I sold sex toys. I sold sex toys at home parties for many, many years. It was um, how I earned a lot of my income because I was a theater major. So (laughs) not a lot of big bucks there. And I realized that I enjoyed connecting with others. Most of my audience back then were women. I enjoyed connecting with women and educating them about their body. There was so much that I didn't know about my body, about pleasure. And the company that I was consulting with had had some really great educational seminars for us. And that was what I missed from it when I stopped doing it. Um, you know, I stopped doing it because it just didn't fit where what I was looking to do and what I wanted for my life at the time. But I realized that I missed the education part. And I thought, you know, I love reading steamy romances, spicy romances. You know, they get me hot. They're doing the couples doing something that maybe I want to try or maybe not, but I like reading about it. It gets me hot when I read about it. Um, So why not create this kit that has a really fun book that can open up the conversation for you, for you and a partner if you so choose to allow a partner into this journey. And then like some fun toys to experiment with. And that's how Body Bookworms got started. That's so great. Y'all, I love this concept. <laughs> I am so excited about it. When you explained this to me, I was like, oh my God, I want to buy this for everybody in my life. Like, that's so great. So tell me when you get a body, like, how does it work? Do you, is it a subscription box? Do you buy an individual box? How does this all work? And do you pair the book with the toys? I have so many questions. Are, do you pair the book with the toy? Like, is, there, is it inspired or is it a different toy? Tell me everything. I'm so <laughs> guys. Uh, so it's like you hear the excitement in my box. voice. It's like brilliant right <laughs> here. Brilliant. It's a subscription box. We have two offerings. Um, there is our quarterly offering, which is a bigger box. And, you know, I pair, so I joke that they're like wine pairings, but a lot more exciting. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, so each box has a theme and the toys and the other products that go in there are cold from the, you know, things that I have found or themes from the book. So it's definitely like very specialized. My, I like to call them pleasure pairings. Pleasure pairings. I love it. So are there a lot of books out there with sex toys in it? Have I just missed the genre of sex toys? I read a lot of romance, but I can't, I can maybe think of one that used a sex toy in it. Is that a thing? Like, is there a genre, subgenre that exists with sex toys or is that hard for you to find? 
well, not all the books have sex toys in them. They're just, they're very sexually explicit, but in an emotionally satisfying way. So there's a difference between erotica is there for titillation and arousal, right? It's not necessarily about the emotional journey between the two characters. It could be, but that's not where uh, a lot of erotica go. So romance for me with really great sex scenes have that emotional connection and the characters change, right? They're making a decision about their relationship with each other when they become intimate. And that could be different each time. So in um, Angeline M. Lopez's book, um, Hate Crush, there's a, I hate you, but I still want to do you scene. (laughs) And then later, you know, when they're having sex again, they're like, oh, hey, we're starting to like have like real feelings for each other. So that's the fun part about the romance. So that's what I'm looking for when I choose a romance. Um, our monthly box is called the Body Quickie. So the smaller box. It's, um, but my focus on there is, is really finding books written by authors from marginalized communities who are writing about um, diverse characters. So that's like my baby. Um, I started it about a, two years ago. And that's what I'm working really hard. I, and I want to use that platform to really help my audience discover new to them writers. And you're right that that there not, are not a lot of romances with sex toys that I know of. I have read some and a lot of them are not traditionally published. A lot of them are independently published or self-published. And um, especially if you look out of like the BDSM kink subgenre of, of romance, right? Because those obviously are going to use toys, but that doesn't do it for everyone. Some people want that high heat, but they're not into BDSM or any, those things don't turn them on. They want to read about quote unquote more vanilla. Though I have people tell me that my book is very, very sexy and steamy. And I don't know if it'd be considered vanilla, (laughs) but um, compared to like BDSM romance, it's pretty tame (laughs) in that department. So there are books out there. And I think that there are beginning to be more books that feature toys in them. And um, if any of your readers know of authors, let me know. I'm happy. I would love to read them. And I can definitely recommend some other authors who have sex toys in their romances. Yeah, it's funny you brought up BDSM because the BDSM erotica books that I've read are the only ones I could think of when I was thinking of of toys. So I love that. So I'm going to ask you three questions that I ask everybody towards the end of our um, of our talks together. And the first one is, what is the book that changed your life when you read it? Uh, Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club. Mm-hmm. So I read that as a teen, and that was the first book I ever read that had multitudes of Asian characters, even though ethnically they're Chinese, right? And I'm Vietnamese. But at least this is something like I saw similarities in the the bonds between the daughters and the moms and the daughters trying to learn how to, I guess, code switch, right, from living at home, very different atmosphere to going to school. And it was just the first time I really felt seen in a book. Beautiful, beautiful book. And then my next question is, what's a book you want to read, but you don't want to have to write? Oh, gosh, I love to read epic, like fantasy, sci-fi, like anything N.K. Jemisin writes, I love. And I cannot imagine what goes on in her head when she writes these stories, because they're just absolutely amazing. 
I love that you brought up N.K. Jameson because I all whenever I ask this question, I think of N.K. Jameson. I'm like, I want to read that, but I, I that's not how my brain works. Like I couldn't write that. So I love, I love that you brought that up because that's always who I think of when I ask this question to people, and no she's, one has yet brought her up. So she's in her own category, honestly. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. the her most recent, the city we've become. I would have never thought to have made cities living, breathing entities. <laughs> I mean, it just blew me away. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I could go on and on about that book, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> and my last and final question is where can people find you if they're interested in both buying your book, which I'm doing as soon as we get off this call, because I didn't realize it was out already. I'm so excited to read it. And two, if they want to sign up for body bookworms, which I'm also going to do as soon as we get off this call. Sure. My book is Happy Endings and it's available at all major retailers. Thank you for being traditionally published. <laughs> um, and uh, my website is my full name, no hyphen or spaces. And if you go inside for my newsletter, I send you delicious Vietnamese and Louisiana recipes along with cat pictures. <laughs> you oh, had me at recipes, but then you hooked me real good at cat pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, my cats have helped me write this book. They're always there watching, making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And if you want to sign up for a body bookworms box, that's just bodybookworms.com. And you can sign up for a subscription or if we just want to taste, we do have some one-time purchase boxes in the shop. Nice. And all of those links will be in our show notes as well for people to just go and click away. Well, thank you again so much for everything that you do and exist in this world. I love the stories you're telling. I love the world you're creating. I love the like erotic of pleasure that you're doing. And I, I just love all that you're doing. So thank you again for coming on and sharing such wisdom. I have such great notes from this call. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm sure we could talk for hours. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll stop the recording and then talk for hours. Y'all are going to miss, <laughs> y'all are going to miss the steamy details, but thank you again for coming on. And I am just um, so excited to read your book. Thank you. Bye everybody. Bye. Okay, folks, we have a really exciting special edition of our book recommendation today because Tenkem is so great at recommending books and was recommending books to me. Our book recommendations this week are coming directly from her. So hit us. Give us these book recs of yours. All right. So if you're looking for fun romances with sex toys in them, um, queer ones, especially because I know Lauren was saying she doesn't see enough queer romances, especially ones with toys in them. I recommend Elia Winters, E-L-I-A Winters. She writes a series about polyamorous couples and they're usually um, not couples, throuples. Uh, but she usually writes about an established couple who wants to add a third into their relationship. And it's all, uh, I learned so much about polyamory when I read her books and they're super sexy. And because she is also a sex toy enthusiast, there's lots of sex toys in her books. Adriana Herrera is a Latinx. She's Dominican American. Um, she writes queer and straight romances. And um, she, the series she's working on now, they're all in the same world. And one of the characters owns a sex shop. So um, that character makes sure that her friends are well supplied. <laughs> so they're, they show up in, in different books and different scenes. Um, a book I recently read was a female loving female book called Satisfaction Guaranteed by Karelia Stetz Waters is the two women inherit a sex toy shop who is 
that's going under because the person who owned it before did not manage it well. And it's, of course, you have learned about them talking about sex toys in the shop, but they're also discovering each other because one of the characters has never had an orgasm and she's in her 30s. So it's a lot about her, her journey as a person and her journey um, in pleasure. So those are some great recs for you to get started on. Well, thank you so much for those recommendations. I'm actually reading Satisfaction Guaranteed right now. So I'm super excited to come back with a more in-depth book rec later on the podcast. But if any of you want to grab those books, you can get the link using our bookshop.org link below. Not only does that allow you to support a local independent bookstore, but it's also an affiliate link. So you can help support the School for Writers podcast. And if you're somebody who's more into audiobooks, you can grab yourself one through Libro.fm, our link in the show notes, which is also a way to support local independent bookstores instead of those big guys. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you again for that book rec. You just finished another episode of the School for Writers podcast. Woohoo! Go you! Did you know that we're more than just a podcast? School for Writers is a full service support team helping you to get your story out into the world. Here are three ways you can get even more writerly inspiration and education. Number one, subscribe. It's so easy. All you gotta do is click that little subscribe button down below wherever you listen or watch the School for Writers podcast. That not only guarantees that you don't miss another episode, but it also helps support our continuation of this show. Number two, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at School for Writers. Every day we post helpful tips and tools like journaling prompts, reading recommendations, and live interviews with inspiring experts. Number three, visit schoolforwriters.com where you can check out past episodes, join a writing program, and get even more tips, tools, and inspiration to support your writing life. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our Write More Challenge, a 10-day program to help you jumpstart your writing routine. Thanks again for supporting School for Writers. We'll see you next episode. School for Writers is produced by me, Lauren Marie Fleming, with editing and support from Samantha Olivares. All rights reserved by Las Maestras LLC. Our music is De Lejos by Ilabamba. Check them out on Spotify. Big thanks to the team at Terrorbird and big thanks to Kristen Hozak. And of course, a massive thank you to you, the listener. Now put down this podcast already and go write. I'll see you in the next episode.